I think that if we had to boil down the teaching of Jesus in these opening verses from Matthew chapter 18, if we had to take it down to just a single commandment, this would be it. Cherish children. Jesus is saying we are to cherish children. In fact, I think that if we were to line up all of the wisest mothers uh, here in this room or listening in through live stream, uh, they would concur with the challenge of Jesus here. They would want to say to us, please, especially you younger ones, be careful not to spend all of your time and energy just housing or hurrying or haggling with your children. Don't merely feed them or cleanse them or educate or endure them. Don't just school them and drive them and pick up after them. Don't simply walk by them on the sidewalk or in the hallways of the church building or out in the shopping malls. Make sure you're cherishing the kids. Make sure you are really regarding the children within your reach, whether they're your own children or your grandchildren or somebody else's or the kids of the church, cherish the children. Cherishing children, at least in the way that I think Jesus suggests here, has at least three dimensions to it. And I want to touch on them briefly today. First of all, according to the words of Jesus, it means to learn from them. To cherish children means to pay such close attention to who they are and the way they are that we learn from them, that they change us. I know we've got a lot to teach them, and we spend a lot of our energies, those of us who are parents, trying to teach them, right, to sit up straight at the table. I cannot tell you, I'm still working on this simple instruction, put your napkin on your lap, right? We spend a lot of our energy trying to train them to to do their homework assignments, to take on responsibility to be honest so they will grow up to be the well-ordered adults all of us are right that's that's our intention but Jesus implies in this teaching in Matthew chapter 18 that before we spend all of our energy changing them into creatures just like us we should watch kids very closely because of all that we stand to learn from them The Bible says this, at that time the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child before them, had had him stand among them, and he said, I tell you the truth. Pay attention to me. When he says that, he's saying, pay attention. I tell you the truth. Unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. One summer evening, a violent thunderstorm broke out as a mom was tucking her small child into his bed. And as she reached over to turn off the light, the boy asked with a tremor in his voice, Mommy, will you sleep with me tonight? The mom smiled and gave her child a reassuring hug. I can't, dear, she said, I have to sleep with your daddy. There was a moment of silence, which was finally broken by the child's shaky voice saying, the big sissy. (laughs) There's a lovely honesty in those words. 
And there's a wonderful humility in those words. The child there is willing to admit his fears. Right? He's willing to ask for the help that he desires. He's willing to confess his disappointment when the help doesn't come the way he wants. He's willing to keep reaching out for the one who can help him. And this is the orientation your Father in heaven is looking for in you, Jesus is saying. He wants us to be people who, with the humility of little children, are able to express our fears, to ask for the help that we desire, to confess our disappointments, and to keep reaching out for the one who can help us. God, Jesus says in so many places in his teaching, can do so very little with people who are all grown up, who, who, who are no longer to admit, willing to admit the fears or, the, or to reach out for the help or to, or to confess the disappointments. God can do little with those who are grown up in their self-assurance, bedded down in their self-sufficiency, who no longer tremble before the mystery of life any longer, who've learned to shut their ears to the thunderstorms that rage outside of us or inside of us. Those people will be left alone beneath their covers. But God has compassion upon those who know they need him, Jesus tells us. He has profound concern for those who call out to him, to those who admit their need of forgiving grace or eternal assurance. To those who long for a power for living and loving, they know they just are not going to be able to manufacture in themselves. God will come near to those people. He will take his place on the edge of the bed for people who cry out to him in these ways. Therefore, says Jesus, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. In the kingdom of God, it is those who know they are small who get lifted up. Is your life and my life marked by this kind of humility? Or have we grown up too fast, too far, and missed the compassion of the one who longs to come near? Children are humble before God in a way that opens their lives to the joy of his fellowship. Kids are also humble before the wonder of life itself in a way that many of us tend to lose as we grow older. As one writer puts it, when I look at a patch of dandelions, I I see a bunch of weeds that are going to take over my yard. But my kids see flowers for mom and blowing white stuff that you can wish on. When I look at an old drunk and he smiles at me, I see a smelly, dirty person who probably wants my money but my kids see someone smiling at them, and they smile back. When I hear music I love, I know I can't carry a tune, and I do not have much rhythm, so I just sit there. But my kids feel the beat 
and they move to the music and they sing out the words or they make up their own, right? When I feel wind on my face, I brace myself against it. I feel it messing up my hair and pushing me back as I'm trying to move forward. But kids, they just close their eyes and they spread their arms and they fly with it until they fall laughing to the ground. When I see a mud puddle, I step around it. I see muddy shoes and clothes and dirty carpets. Kids, they see a puddle, they sit in it. (laughs) Because they see dams to build and rivers to cross and worms to play with. And the writer concludes by asking this penetrating question. Do you think we are given kids to teach or to learn from? What is it about being a child of the kingdom of God we need to learn over again? And maybe our children and those around can instruct us. Is it the capacity for wonder that somehow slipped away for you? Is it the ability to trust to be free and abandon yourself to the joy and opportunity of life? Is it the ability to play or to be creative or to rest or something else? What is it that you stand to learn from children and and share that with somebody else before you leave the building today and ask them to pray with you, to pray for you, that you might recover the joy of being a child of God. To obey Christ's command to cherish children means, first of all, to learn from their humbleness, their humility before God and before life. Secondly, I think cherishing kids means to welcome the gift of love that children bring. It means to take love into your life even when it's messy and costly love. Jesus puts it this way. Whoever welcomes a little child in my name welcomes me, lets a bit of heaven into their own life. To be perfectly honest, it's hard to see that sometimes. I know that to be true as a parent myself. Amy and I, for example, are often overwhelmed with the sheer cost of raising children. Our three little gifts came free and have turned out to be enormously expensive, right? It's not just our imagination either. I was checking on the web this week. I went to CNN Money, and I just happened to Google, how much does it cost to raise a kid? And it turns out, according to the article that I read in CNN Money, that the cost of raising a child from birth to age 18 for a middle-income two-parent family now averages nearly $227,000. And that is not counting college. And that's not counting organic baby formula and designer strollers. That is not counting the mental cost of going to the school principal or to the police station or to the therapist. I think I've been to all of those places over the past 18 or 19 years. I I actually did the math further. 
it amounts now to $14,000 per child per year for just a middle-income family. That's about $38 a day. It's $1.60 an hour, if you were wondering, for each child. And in fact, the cost has just gone up stratospherically in the last decade. Since 2000, the cost of raising a child has gone up 40%. You thought gas was bad. So what do you actually get for your $227,000? Some of you are wondering. Well, here's how one writer calculated it. You get naming rights, first, middle, and last. It's not bad. You get glimpses of God every day if you're paying attention. You get giggles under the covers at night. You get more love than your heart can hold. You get butterfly kisses and Velcro hugs and a hand to hold, usually covered with jam. I will tell you, you get ambushed. I'll walk into my house. It'll be all quiet. I'll think I'm just all to myself, and then they'll hit me from behind. You get a partner for blowing bubbles. You get flying kites. You get building sandcastles and the chance to go skipping down the sidewalk in the pouring rain. You get someone to laugh yourself silly with no matter what the boss said that day or how your stocks performed. For $227,000, you never have to grow up completely. You get an excuse not to. You get to finger paint carve pumpkins, play hide-and-seek, catch lightning bugs, and never stop believing at Christmas time. You get an excuse to keep reading where the wild things are and to watch Sunday morning cartoons and to go to Disney movies and to wish on stars. You get to frame rainbows and hearts and flowers under refrigerator magnets, and you get to collect spray-painted noodle wreaths for Christmas and handprints set in clay for Mother's Day. For $227,000, you get to be a hero in this world that sometimes thinks you're a jerk. You get to be a hero just for retrieving a Frisbee off the garage roof for taking the training wheels off the bike, for removing a splinter, for filling a wading pool, for coaxing a wad of gum out of bangs, and for coaching a baseball team that rarely wins but always gets treated to ice cream nonetheless. You get a front row seat to history to witness the first step, the first word, the first bra, the first date, the first time behind the wheel. You get another branch added to the family tree, and if you're lucky, a long list of limbs in your obituary called grandchildren. Or a whole lot of people around the great banquet table one day who are your spiritual children. You get a course in prayer you get an education in psychology, nursing, criminal justice, communications, and human sexuality that no college can match. You get the chance to stand in for God himself as you have the power to heal a boo-boo, scare away a monster under the bed, patch a broken heart, 
police a slumber party, ground them forever, and love them without limits so that one day they will, like you, perhaps love without counting the cost. This is something of what Jesus meant when he suggested that as we welcome a little child, we welcome him. We welcome heaven into our hearts. You don't have to raise your own biological child to receive something of it. You can care for a relative's or a neighbor's kids. You can volunteer as a coach, as a Sunday school teacher, as a helper at the local school, as a youth ministry worker. We need folks working in the early childhood department this uh, summertime. And if you've ever done that, if you've ever sponsored a child overseas or mentored an inner city kid, if you've ever done this, then you know that as expensive as it is, cherishing children, it's the way to joy. It's a way of joy. Jesus commands us, cherish children. By that he means learn from them. Learn from their humility. He means welcome the gift they are to you, the gift of my love entering you through them. And thirdly and finally, I believe he calls us, when he says cherish the kids, to protect their innocence. I do not think I am overstating it when I said that children today have an imperiled innocence about them. Children today are being thrust out of that innocence and into all of the muck and the mire of this world at an increasingly early age. Many kids today are growing up around language and images and patterns of abuse and disrespect unthinkable to their grandmothers or our grandmothers. They are left alone and, or sent out unsupervised before they have the equipment to handle the temptations in front of them. They are targeted as consumers by age five. They, they are appealed to as sexual actors by age 10. They are treated as available for almost anything else by age 15. Their bodies and minds and hearts are being fed into a cultural machine today that acts like a deli slicer on their soul, just a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time, until they move through life as soulless adults, numb to things. And this does not bring Jesus joy. In fact, he says, if anyone causes one of these little ones who believes in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a large millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. That's how mad I get. That's that's what I feel when I think of kids' innocence destroyed. You do not have to be a Christian mother to be concerned about this. You just have to be someone who knows that if we allow what is uniquely beautiful about our children to be exploited and destroyed, especially early, the entire human enterprise loses now and into eternity. 
So, who's watching the kids? That ought to be a question that lingers for us. Who's watching them? Who is studying and learning from their humble openness to God in life? Who's investing in them and receiving in return a gift of love of priceless worth Who's working to protect their innocence long enough for them to form a character, something like Jesus? And will you be the one who does it? And can we be the ones together? For I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven, says Jesus. And, and this is my commandment to you. Watch the kids. Please pray with me. And now, Lord God, take even one idea from this message just shared and plant it deeply within us and bear fruit from it, we ask. Fruit that will last and be the blessing that you long for us to know ourselves because we're all your kids through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.